Hello, Guardians, and welcome to the Destiny Show Podcast. I am your host, Cornholio, and tonight we are live. We're back. It's 2021, and we have an amazing guest on the show. He is a lore buff. He's a pretty big Destiny fan and someone that a lot of our previous guests have nothing but praise for. And we're excited to welcome him on the show tonight. Why Kid Jester, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show. I greatly appreciate being on. Thank you for inviting me. Well, thank you for being with us. And it's such an honor and pleasure to get to meet you tonight and get to know about you a little bit more and learn about what you do in the Destiny community and beyond. And we're going to learn much more about White Kid Jester, what he does in the community. We'll dive into our predictions for Destiny 2 in 2021, and we'll discuss the latest news from Bungie, hot off the presses. But first up, I want to welcome my co-host, Shadow Price. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Um, well, I was feeling a little under weather today, so... Um I've been kind of just dealing with that. Nothing serious. So just kind of really not COVID. bad indigestion for some reason. Something I ate last night, probably. Um, but um, no, I mean, any hiccups. What's that? Any hiccups? No, 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 no hiccups. No, okay. hic- no just, hiccups. Just checking. Yeah. Um, no, I've been playing Destiny on uh, PlayStation um, because apparently it runs better on my PS5 than my PC. Who, who knew that would be the thing? Um, you know, and I have a 1080 graphics card. It's not like, you know, one of the newer ones or anything like that. But it just, it seems to run smoother on PS5. So I've been playing it on there. I've been playing Ghostbusters for the Switch. Um, it just, that's that's kind of fun. You know, it's, uh, you guys remember the Ghostbusters movies from back in the day? Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. it has like the voices from the, the those Ghostbusters, the, you know, um, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray. Harold Ramis, so just something different, you know, to break it up a little bit because I'm trying to venture and play other games, you know, also play Destiny to like work it all in, you know, and we are coming up to the end of the season. Actually, it's crazy. That's happening like at the at February 9th, I think, is the new season next uh, month. So trying to just get some of the uh, things done in the game and also play other games and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I've been chasing after the raid exotic rocket launcher, which I can't seem to get still. But uh, I have one more chance this week, so hopefully, fingers crossed, I can get it. But uh, eyes of tomorrow, maybe I'll get it, maybe I won't. I'll let you know next week. Knock on wood. (laughs) And also, speaking of Nintendo, Nintendo has a pretty... Sweet little sale going on right now on the eShop, so I might have to dive into some Nintendo games and maybe pick up a game or two that I can, uh, I don't know, check out, something something to play. I really like my Switch because it's very convenient to play while you're in bed. You can play it in portable mode, you can bring it from one room to another, or from one place to another. It's just, it's great. And first-party Nintendo games, man, there's nothing like it. Yeah, and then, did you see that they uh, had a trailer for the uh, Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury? And they're a new, um, uh, not 
what is it kind of like a new um theme switch like a, with a red a red switch like they actually changed the color of the switch which is pretty cool um mm. i've got to have some you know willpower and not try to get one you know because i already have a switch but it's like that one's red it looks so cool so nice yeah it's like you know it looks cool and i thought about getting it and it's like i kind of want to don't get me wrong but that's three hundred dollars for a piece of tech that is already pretty dated i already have one i mean unless i like don't open it and keep it like sealed but then there's there's too many rumors going around about a new Nintendo Switch upgrade. Oh yeah, that's happening. Probably mm-hmm. towards the end of the year, but you know, we'll we'll see. That's definitely happening. <clears throat> but you know, it's gonna be really interesting to see what Nintendo does. I'm gonna call it and I'm gonna say that Nintendo will not have an a Nintendo Direct until probably the second half of this year, if we're lucky. I think pretty much everything that we see from Nintendo, it's going to be from Twitter and just. There'll probably be a Pokemon Direct next month because it's the 25th anniversary of Pokemon. Uh, I'm not a a Pokemon person, but I I just. Welcome to the Nintendo podcast, everyone. Thank you for joining (laughs) us. It's so great to have you all here. Oh, man, it's great. But enough about Nintendo. We've come here to learn about Y-Kid Jester, who he is, what he does. And Y-Kid, we're going to put you on the hot seat tonight for our discussion with the Guardians. So I hope you're ready. Yeah, boy. All right, let's do this. So the first question we have for you is how'd you get started and what do you do in the Destiny community? So how I got started, uh, basically probably similar to everybody else's stories, had a great group of friends uh, that basically pulled me in, got me involved in the Twitter community, um, started reaching out, making connections. Uh, some of those connections have fallen away. Some of them have stayed with me. But basically, really didn't have any kind of goals in the Destiny community when I first came in. It was just kind of, hey, I'm doing this for fun, just enjoying myself. But uh, as time got went on, I started getting involved in the lore much more heavily, uh, making more videos, a um, couple of comedy skits here and there, nothing crazy, uh, doing a lot of artwork and cosplay work uh, in regards to like going to Guardian Con and uh, doing a, a current project that I'm working on for next year. <coughs> Excuse me. That's pretty much how I ended up getting my start in the Destiny community was just playing online with friends, uh, throwing clips out there of either being us being stupid or just having a good time and enjoying the game um and just cracking jokes whenever i could (laughs) that's cool um which uh what was your first guardian con you went to uh the first guardian con i went to was actually 2019 okay the the last guardian con that uh when it actually came into place Nice. So. The only one I went to was in 2016, and it was still called DestinyCon at the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then now it's GCX. Were you, were you there for the beta of Destiny 1? So I was not there for one, for the beta of Destiny 1. I got I got Destiny after it was released. Um, I got it like right off the bat with Destiny. 
um, as soon, like within a couple of months of its actual initial release, played it, fell in love with it, immediately started diving into it and just trying to find friends with to play with online. Um, actually, the, the, the original clan that I was with, I still freaking talk to them uh, on a daily basis. Uh, we actually ended up meeting three of the members at GuardianCon for the first time uh, whenever we were traveling cross-country and then when we actually went to the event. So that was actually a lot of fun. Yeah, that's really cool. I met someone we used to play with and everything, too, uh, on the way to GuardianCon. We had to pick them up in Tennessee but and then oh, nice. went down to Florida uh, in mm-hmm. Tampa. Yeah, so yeah I think uh, 2020 was kind of weird for me because... Mm-hmm. Like, I'm 30 minutes away from Guardian Con, and I was really hoping that we would be able to attend last year, you know. But then yeah. COVID happened, and obviously plans had to change just a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm really hoping that this year we'll get a chance to all attend Guardian Con or whatever they call it now. They, they changed the name. But yeah, but I'm GCX. like 30 minutes from Orlando, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm excited to attend this coming year, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. GCX so do you have like a favorite Guardian Con moment? Um, let's see. Uh, that one's kind of interesting because it's, it's kind of a tie between the lore panel and seeing all the artwork that was there. Because th- that was basically like just being able to see the creators and again, cause I love art. It's my biggest, like, I, I, I don't know. I just, I love watching creativity. Um, seeing like people like con there, uh, irresolute, just every, and Moncus, everybody. We had Moncus on one time before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I've got them. I've got a lot of his artwork, uh, hanging up on my wall right now. He's, he's an amazing artist. Um, ah, dude, same here. Just, yeah. And it's, just so many talented people in the community as far as you know, just I mean really all over the place in pretty much every walk of life and then the lore panel obviously it's I, I loved hearing these questions from the community and seeing them actually involved and in finding out the story all of that uh, actually getting involved and meeting and meeting other people that were actually interested in the same things that I was because the lore community is you know it's fairly small <laughs> uh, by comparison of just the world and the everybody who games uh, in Destiny, but it was it was really nice to have a group of people of like minds come together and actually be able to relate to them and talk to them and see them for the first time if you've been talking to them online and things like that. Mm-hmm. Now, have you read the uh, Destiny lore books that uh, came out? I think there's like three volumes now. There are three volumes. I have all three of them. Uh, I actually got mine in the mail, the third of them, or the last one, uh, not too long ago. So it was. Yeah, I've, I think it I've been, just been came out recently. The third volume? Yeah, the third one, yeah. The, yeah, the blue one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one's sitting here on my desk. Yeah, I haven't read that one, but I do have one. So I'm still here. working through the second one uh, with my daughter. She She loves them when I read them to her for a bedtime story. So it's a good, it makes favorite, a good bedtime story, huh? Well, her, the really ironic or ironic part is that her favorite one is the uh, her absolute favorite bedtime story has been the gift mast. Uh, oh, the that's, in the, Destiny that's uh, the book of sorrows, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. that, was, that, was, that was her favorite one for me to read. I'm like, this is creepy. 
just a little bit. <laughs> it's fascinating. It's very fascinating. And, and, some of the like the lore for mm-hmm. the Book of Sorrows, like, and that's that's one of the things that I love about getting specifically my daughter right now because she's my my sons are, are seven and eight, so they're they're still kind of growing up. My daughter's ten. And she's getting into that mindset where there's, there's concepts that are starting to appear, and I'm seeing them in what she's doing. Like I'm seeing, I'm seeing her thought process evolve as I'm talking to her and walking her through some of these concepts that are in the game and in the lore book itself, and uh, seeing, watching her wrap her brain around. Okay, so that's what these, that's what these creatures think uh, as far as like how the world works and this, that, and the other thing, and you know, how it differs from what we're doing. And it's, it's really neat watching her actually pick up on those concepts and learn from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what do you do when you're not gaming or digging into destiny lore? So when I'm not as far as just hobby, as far as daily, like what do I do on a normal basis, like work or as far as what? What do you what do you like to do for fun besides? What do I do for fun? Destiny. So, do a, I try to work out as much as I can uh, in between. I help out with my kids obviously because you know they've got their homework and their everything going on in their lives that you know it's it's already a handful <laughs> for the three of us to try and take care of uh, the three kids. But I mean, they all have their own. Very, they all have their own demands and needs as far as schoolwork and everything goes. But when I'm finally able to, I guess, move, move away from having to focus on the parenting role and I'm not worried about streaming or, or uh, playing Destiny or lore, uh, usually I end up taking some time. I work on, uh, for like, I do tabletop figurines, painting them as a hobby uh, for Warhammer 40K. Oh, cool. So, uh Enjoy doing that. Uh, sell the, sell some of them on the side whenever my collection gets too big because anybody who plays tabletop wargaming knows that once you start a collection, it doesn't stop. It just grows and expands in different directions. So <laughs> it's just been... it's it, That's been the main focuses because I'm trying to keep my hobbies down a little bit so they don't get too out of hand and, and cover up the house. So. so how do you create things like that? for the uh, wargaming the tabletop wargaming so games workshop actually has um, miniatures that they sell and that they put out they've got their own website that they sell all of their miniatures Uh, i do a lot of painting on those Uh, the majority of the stuff that i personally like creating though is actually the sculpting and um, kit what's called kit bashing which is taking different parts from different kits that they sell to create a completely different model that was never supposed to be made so that's that's where I enjoy like taking clay and green stuff, which is a type of modeling clay, and creating a new model that previously or that basically looks different than everybody else's models because I don't like basically having cookie cutter armies just sitting out there playing. I like to individualize them and kind of give them a little bit more life to them. That's pretty cool. And does it take a while for you to build? one statue or or how does that work in terms of timing so each figurine uh for the for my army in particular uh each figurine is roughly about an inch tall and it's as far as putting everything together building it wise is usually you know i can probably knock one out in a couple of hours uh no problem having it ready for base coat and then i'll go back the next day base coat it down uh, and then put a couple of layers of paint on it 
spend maybe 30 minutes a day on it. And then I'll end up having a, having five characters done because I'll do them in, uh, what do you call it? Uh, basically like a factory belt, just move one after another. And uh, just knock five of them out at a time. And it's usually, I can do that in about an hour and a half each day. That's cool. When I think about that, I think about like uh, Stranger Things, like when they're playing Dungeons and Dragons and mm-hmm. they got the figurines all out there and, and yep. everything. It's really cool. So now that we've had a chance to play through Beyond Light, what are your thoughts on it? Did it meet your expectations? So with Beyond Light, or really with the majority of Destiny's content since we started with the pandemic, um, I've done I've done everything that I can to kind of, kind of reserve expectations on what the company's going to put out. Uh, mainly because number one, I'm, I I have never I don't have any experience in the game development industry. So for me to sit there and That's be like, oh, I'm, I'm expecting this out of the out of the industry, or I'm expecting this out of the devs to push this out and not know how how much work it takes to do all that stuff. And I was like, I need a little bit more to be able to gauge that and be like, okay, well, I, you should be able to expect this. <clears throat> but with that being said, um, overall, I have enjoyed it. Uh, there have been some moments that I was just like, you know, this this is blowing it out of the park. Uh, there's obviously been things that I'm like, okay, that is not meeting the expectation that I, I would have at least thought that we could have gotten. Um, I know right now Crucible is a huge one that a lot of people are kind of feeling is being neglected um, just because it seems like the problems just either take forever to get fixed or don't get addressed. Um, and again, I can't really say that I'm expecting it to get fixed because I'm not sure exactly what goes into it, but I do know that at least as far as computer coding goes, once you go in there and change one thing, 17 other things are going to change if you're not careful about it. So I know I know that there's a lot more technical aspects to it as far as, hey, look, we can't just go in there and willy-nilly change things. So, right. um, But it, probably I think one of the biggest things in beyond light that i've loved obviously has been the uh the exos and the the branch out as far as understanding more about the exos uh what i basically have a role play that i do for a an exo that's my character in the game uh named dame and basically being able to find out all this extra and additional information um like their their backstory how the resets work things like that has been it's, it's really been fun to see that and kind of fill in the, the spaces in between that we've had up to this point as far as what the Deepstone Crypt is, uh, resets, what happened to Clovis Bray, all that good stuff. So story-wise, I'm really liking it. Uh, and as far as the lore, uh, Crow's a little bit different of a liking, I guess, kind of a aspect of it. So Yeah, I, I agree. I, I feel like the Clovis stuff is was excellent. Like mm-hmm. some of the revelations was pretty excellent mm-hmm. too. Um, mm-hmm. If you did those missions um, and you, you'll know at the end of it, like you kind of get the payoff a little bit. Yeah. Um, and it's, um, and I think the environments are, are gorgeous too. I think they, oh, absolutely. I think the lab areas are some of the best areas that Bungie has ever built um, as far as like aesthetic wise. Mm-hmm. Um I, oh, and the area is huge. Yeah, it's huge. It absolutely is. <laughs> it's just massive. Um, Europa itself, I think, is really cool too. 
like the 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 dynamic weather i love that like um, me being a weather buff Mm -hmm. um so it's like that those are some of the things that i felt like they delivered on um but i'm with you pvp has suffered for a while now no new maps no new no new like updates no no weapons no new weapons to chase they threw one weapon in there basically and so i mean it's like they they haven't been given the love and then they just let stasis just run rampant and like okay we're going on break see you guys in four (laughs) four weeks We'll, we'll we'll sort it out next year and meanwhile you got people like you know leaving the game and making the, the their uh exit speeches and everything in these long youtube videos and yeah. stuff you know but yeah. it's they'll, like, they'll be back they'll be yeah. back by <laughs> next next year by by the time that the next major expansion is out everyone who left the game will come back and then all you have to say is well it's better than cyberpunk <laughs> oh <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yeah Oh, burn out that one. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I will say this. So with Stasis in particular, and I'm pr- I'm probably going to get a little bit of hate for this, I loved the effect that it had on the Crucible. And I may be a little bit sick for wanting that, but the fact that people are having, and this is, this is, I guess, one of those, my kind of understanding about from what I've seen the way Bungie works. When something is so clearly and overly abused and used, they do things to either nerf it or modify it. Um, this is the reason why... Hunter like, Shattered they, why they, Well, Hunter's period, really, when you look at the very beginning of Destiny, because we had... So, there was so much of the community was were jumping on board and being Hunters, Vice, Titans, or Warlocks. Like, you had, you had so many more Hunters in the community, whether it be individual players that played only Hunter... Bad jump, players. man. Bad jump. Yeah. Oh, well, I, hey, bring in the, the jumps, whatever, whatever the reason is. And for like, I will the movement. personally say, Sp- I will personally say absolutely. Yeah. The, the hunters are by far the most dynamic and like, as far as the ability to, I guess, uh, what's the word of, to accommodate the aggressive play style and the expectations of the crucible. Uh, hunters are by far one of the best classes to play. Because it is the the jump is a little bit more, in my opinion, forgiving, um, mm-hmm. both in some instances, and it's also very advantageous to have that almost immediate response uh, that you have in order to gain that lift in area or right. that combat advantage instead of like the warlock there. being Princess Toadstool, like having yeah, to glide around and everything. Yeah, trying to do those so, jumps in Deep Stone is like like oh, yeah. during the jumping puzzles not easy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Or the ones where you have to go around the corner, but there's no actual footing for the corner, so you have to time it just right. The one yep. that's, uh, and if you permission. you miss it, just like a hair, <laughs> like okay, why didn't you mantle there? <laughs> Pretty much. And in D one, yeah, so, you couldn't mantle. There was no mantling. So if you miss that, let you you were you were dead. <laughs> you, oh, were yeah, you were done. Yeah, but yeah. So that and that's that's basically what we saw was that we, you know, and Bungie's actually came right out and said the majority of the community is playing hunters, and that's that was part of their reasoning. For nerfing hunters so much is because they were saying, "Hey, if there's this many people in the community actively using it and taking advantage of it, then that must mean that there's something wrong with it, or that it's not balanced. Because if there's that many people using it, it means it's being too successful." And or, that was one of the yeah. that was one of the lessons that we learned early on. So 
that's why you see so many Hunter nerfs coming out there is because there's so many people still using it. So I was actually, I'm actually thrilled about Stasis and the effect that it's had because so many people have been going out, using it, um, and just... Abusing it? Yeah, you, yeah, just <laughs> abusing the crap out of it. And the fact that there's so many people doing it, it's showing more, I guess, more aggressively where the flaws are. And then we saw, like, the most aggressively thing... The most aggressive thing used is everybody's talking about Shatter Dive. Everybody's using Shatter Dive. Everybody's keeping their hunters on their stasis, and they're using it to an extreme in the Crucible. And that was a good thing to get it noticed. That was absolutely necessary to get Bungie to say, hey, look, there's so many people that are using this, so many people posting about it, so many people that are you know, winning in trials or, or you know, going through PvP, so many people complaining about it that to not do anything specifically about that one move definitely I, I, that would have been a slap in the face of the community at that point it, it, if they did not say anything about shatter dive in this past wob yeah i i think it's a good and a bad thing like yeah i mean it's cool that it you know able to change up the crucible so much but the thing is is like if that when it's the only thing you have to use to combat it like you have to fight fire with fire like it's like there were times i wanted to use a light based subclass i wanted to go to my golden gun but i couldn't mm-hmm. i literally had to use my stasis to like even because i'm gonna get smashed by a freaking hunter or i'm gonna get a titan behemoth like that super lasts way too long like that also yeah. needed, and then and they did address that in the twab that they're going to be looking at that next that they're looking at behemoth next yeah yeah I, I will just throw this out there. They're not looking at nerfing warlocks, though. So <laughs> no, because the warlock doesn't have the warlock like, was the first. Well, the warlock was the first one to get nerfed, so I don't want to. <laughs> they don't have a shatter dive move. They don't have a titan sliding through, so, like uh, you know, to like yeah. just, you know, clear like, the map in 0.2 seconds. Yeah. So <laughs> th- that's like, why. Yeah, the warlock already had their um, their little nerf uh, when, yeah. in the beginning. But so. yeah, so it's that's I think that's stasis has definitely it's definitely raked havoc, and I like the fact that it did that. I like the fact that it shook things up a lot, and honestly, for me personally, I I enjoy playing on Dawnblade. I absolutely love Dawnblade, and there's actually been a couple of friends of mine that I've talked with online. Uh, as Top far tree. As like, do you like the yes, the, yes. The dodges. I, I use top, yeah, I, I dodges. Use top tree dawnblade because yes. again, it goes back to that whole thing. The same thing we were talking about with the hunter. Mobility is key in the crucible. Oh and yeah, it's devastating. So I've actually been challenged by one of my friends to move off of dawnblade and go to stormcaller and <laughs> see see if I can keep up keep up with my basically my performance using dawnblade as basically a less speedy class. And the reason why we've been doing this back and forth is because we're essentially basically trying to focus more and more on the gun game because what I see in the future is more and more of the nerfs like what we've seen the shatter dive where they're going to progressively keep moving towards hey we need to get back to the gunplay aspect of this because the abilities are starting to become that people are starting to depend too much on the on the abilities to win the matches vice actually using the guns i agree I, I i would like them to focus more on weapons but when on unfortunately you haven't had updates to maps and you haven't had any new weapons mm-hmm. like you, you get it that's why stasis gets the black eye treatment and gets you know because it's like you don't have anything new you're not bringing anything new to the table as far as yeah. weapons and things like that when we get that pass that weapon pass a proper weapons 2.0 i mm-hmm. think that's when you know it'll be brought more in line um so yeah 
Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's a lot of work to be done with the Crucible. I mean, we need new maps. We haven't had those in a while. Um, it needs to be better balanced so that you don't have to resort to using stasis as your core go-to mm -hmm. thing. Um, and also, we need more weapons. We need more rewards in order to incentivize you to continue to play, right? Like, I mean, we're getting two next energy. season. Like, so... You know, instead of one that we have this season, we get two in each activity. Two in Crucible, two in Strikes, and two in Gambit. Um, but we're going to... These, yeah. these are small steps, you know? I mean, I think it's kind of a consequence of them trying to react to where the game needs improvement, but they can only do so much, right? And I think they're definitely trying, but I think that their hands are pretty tied right now with... Producing the content we'll be playing probably in September or October of mm -hmm. next of this year. Wow, did I almost say next year? Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot that they're gonna have to do, um, especially with Crucible. I think Crucible hasn't had a lot of love, so I'm hoping yeah. that maybe we'll get one or two new maps. Maybe in the next season or the season after that, that would be a Europa nice. map. That would probably be nice since yeah. we have a new destination. It probably wouldn't be too difficult for them to do that. I mean, they already have the maps built out. They just have to kind of piece them into a crucible style. Yeah. Sandbox. Mm -hmm. Yep. So why kid now that we're in 2021, what are you most excited for with destiny Two this year? So, well, for me personally, I'm unfortunately not going to get to enjoy too much of Destiny, uh, Destiny 2 very much. Uh, but with the majority of everything that's going on right now, <sighs> I'm looking forward to, to the return destinations. So seeing what that specifically is something that I want to see more of as far as the either bringing back original destinations, bringing back... Like we, for instance, the moon. How we ended up getting that back as a returned destination from D one, but upgraded for the adventures of G, of D two. I I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do to continue on that pattern because I, as far as the content, as far as um, you know, the future updates, which we all that good stuff. I'm trying to, again, manage the expectations as far as what's going to go into it. Um, the lore and everything like that. One of the things that I would love that I'm hoping that they'll change is the additions of the web lore into the actual game itself. I'm hopefully I'm going to try trying to push that as a, uh, as a focus point that somebody, somebody should address there. But Really, just the continue as far as the continuation of the story and the re and the issue of better utilized assets, I guess I should say, uh, because again, as as we've seen with sunsetting, we, they they sunset planets and they sunset gear, but now we're getting the gear back, and really, it's not any different than it was before. And mm -hmm. I'm hoping that the stuff that we get back in these next installments, because I, I definitely see us getting more destinations, and obviously. Um, but I want, as a player, I, I would like to see a better use of 
or better, I guess a better respect of the player's investment to say, hey, look, instead of giving you back exactly what we took from you, we're going to make substantial changes to these things to make sure that you as a player feel like the nostalgia that you had before plus the new wonder that you always get from brand new content. Um, and that's really where, that's kind of how I felt with the moon originally was that it, it, it was, it was basically that there was a lot of people saying, Oh, it's recycled content. It's like, you really look at the moon. It's not recycled content so much to the point that it's that, you know, it's just, Oh, here's the sniper rifle back again or anything like that. It's they went back and they changed things around to give you that nostalgic feeling, but yet still give you that. This is a new place feel. Uh, yeah. They expand expanded areas, gave you the opportunity to explore. And it, honestly, that for me personally was one of the best things about getting into destiny was just the ability to get around, enjoy a well thought out story. And I just feel like I was in a new explorable area and just enjoy the wonder of the actual world that was created yeah they're fleshing the cosmodrome out to the full year uh mm. full destiny one like uh parody next season um so we'll get the return of the rocky yard we'll mm. get the return of the um where uh, the fallen saber strike is because we're getting fallen saber oh. and devil's lair strike yep. back next season um i, w- I wanted to po- well one more thing sorry I wanted to point out, have you guys gone to the new dream, uh, the new um, Lost Sector? There's another Lost Sector in the Forgotten Shore in the um, Cosmodrome right now. That is a really cool Lost Sector. I don't know if you hey, guys... The, the the one where the um, the ships and everything are hanging out at? The, the yeah. One? yeah. Yes, that one, that, the Labyrinth. The Labyrinth is the name of that one. That, that one is, is one so of the coolest cool. Lost Sectors. <laughs> that is one of the coolest Lost Sectors I've ever been in. Like, I was, I was amazed when I was down there. It's like, this is super cool. Like that, mm-hmm. they built this Absolutely. for uh, under the Cosmodrome, mm-hmm. and Absolutely. I just wanted to point that out and everything. So that that's like them updating an area. So, so I just see them adding another lost sector like next season when they fully flesh out the Cosmodrome, and then hopefully when Vogue comes back, we get Venus back or at least parts of Venus because Venus mm-hmm. is my number one favorite location in all of Destiny. I love Venus. So, something in particular about that lost sector. So, uh, actually, before I go down that rabbit hole, it, that lost sector itself it actually has some really interesting connotations for the future storyline for Destiny. Because mm. the the or at least in my opinion, it did. Unless it's a a throwback, because essentially you've got the the when you get to that last area. Um, obviously, there's that big open area, right? Yeah, there's, there's yeah. a structure there, and there's this massive hole torn in it. And then you've got the, there's a the portal gateway, too. The, yeah. the, the massive gateway and the, mm-hmm. the um, and the giant hive that comes out. The the things that I loved about that specific lost sector was one that little labyrinth right there at the beginning. It recaptures that moment when you first meet the hive. Oh uh, yeah, back in Destiny One, where it's just like, oh crap, <laughs> like it, it just startles the crap out of you, and you don't know where they're coming from. Yeah, yeah, and it's just, like these holes that are like these wormholes that are dug out mm-hmm. and everything down there. Yeah, it definitely lived up to its name. But yeah, I'm I'm interested to see if that if that particular kind of micro story that's that is that lost sector has anything to do with the future of what we're going to see regarding the Cosmodrome expansion and you know, Sabathun's involvement in what's about to be half or really Zybu Arasa involvement over the next uh, couple of releases. Yeah. 
Did you have anything to add to that, Corn? Um, I was just going to say, I really hope that with the expanded Cosmodrome, they're able to figure out a way to kind of, you know, make some interesting gameplay moves with with that destination. Maybe add mm-hmm. something like a world event. Not a public event, but something larger where mm-hmm. you're facing larger enemies. Yeah. Some kind of some kind of innovation where it feels like we're not playing the same thing. We're not doing just bounties on this destination like you would on every destination. Um, mm-hmm. It would be really cool for them to use the Cosmodrome to do some really cool things like create end game content or even if, you know, adding the lost sectors, I guess that is kind of interesting because they have master lost sectors and grandmaster uh, legendary lost sectors and whatnot. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I, I would like to see that, you know, too. Um, and it's just it like, it's nice to have those strikes back too. Cause those were, Sepix Prime is like one of my favorite strikes from D1. So that'll be cool playing that again. I vote for yeah, Sepix Perfected. Oh, Sepix Perfected. Oh, that music. Oh, oh God. The music's so good in Sepix Perfected. <laughs> it's so good. I, I, see, I see memes coming out of that one real fast. It's back again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, it, you know, it just uh, kind of scratches that nostalgia itch, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And that's what Vogue is going to do when it comes back, um, hopefully in season 14. Um, yeah. And we're going to share some predictions about the Vogue in just a little bit. But yeah. before we do, um, I'm curious, why, kid, you're pretty heavy into the lore of Destiny. You really love the lore. What is your favorite piece of lore in the Destiny universe? So... For the most, for the majority of Destiny One, my favorite has been the Books of Sorrow. Um, Good choice. So, mm-hmm. as the as time has gone on, it's actually become a combination of a couple of different books. Uh, the Books of Sorrow being one. Um, the oh, I'm trying to remember the name of it now. Inquisition of the Damned. That one is the, is the other one that it kind of works along inside with it. Uh, the reason why I like these two in particular is because it's two stories that are told and parts of it are actually told simultaneously. And it gives us kind of an idea of a broader or a broader understanding of the actual time period that we're talking about uh, regarding the period in between Oryx and, his, and the sisters leaving Fundament and actually venturing out into space and the time that they uh, basically killed off everything in their solar system and, and ventured out into the universe to claim uh, to claim their kingdom. Uh, the reason why I talk about this is one of the things that's mentioned in the Legion of the Damned uh, or Inquisition of the Damned is the talk of the Death Song and Song of Life, and that was actually one of those things that was mentioned in the Books of Sorrow. It, not not by name, but the same events that were happening during the uh, the Sabathun and Zyvor Roth and the wars that were occurring during that time period and the peace that Oryx got killed for 
If you remember back in Books of Sorrow, uh, Sabathun killed Oryx because he sought to seek peace between him, uh, I believe it was him and, uh, what was it, the, I think it was like, the, there was a sea creature that named it for him, I'm trying to remember it now. The Leviathan? It wasn't the Leviathan. The, it's the, sea, the shelled creatures that have, uh, they look like they're old dinosaur shells. And they're, oh, Ahamakara? Ahamakara? Not the Ahamakara. The, it's... Oh, I know what, I know what you're talking over, about. I know what you're talking about, yeah, but I, I can't think of yeah. the name now either. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, they're, they're shelled creatures. They actually have, and it's interesting because you see the same name mentioned about the shells on Venus. And that's actually one of the things I was getting ready to look up was to see if they have it on there. Um, oh. Because the, the creatures that they have the shells of on Venus, the, the spiral shells, those have bear the same name as the species that Oryx went to peace treaty with uh, during that time period. So I thought it was, that was a, kind of an interesting connection there. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when it talks about one of those entities being large enough to be its ship, its own ship. Like it, it, they carved out its shell and created a ship. So, you know, I was, that was one of those things where it kind of gave a little bit more perspective into it. And one of the things that was specifically mentioned in there was Savathun going and making their, the site of where this neutral ground area that was supposed to be used as a treaty bargaining area and rendering it completely neutral uh, by killing everyone off. And one of the things mentioned in the Inquisition of the Damned books talks about the Song of Death being used uh, to essentially split a planet in half and kill everybody on the planet. So oh, wow. I, I'm personally, I believe that these two events are actually the same event that's actually taking place. So the Inquisition of the Damned and the creation of this Song of Death and the Song of Life is actually occurring inside the Book of Sorrows. The Song of Death, the Death yeah. Song, that's what the Oryx's that's, daughters sang in. Correct, that's the eventual evolution of what became the death song that Oryx's daughter sang. And the death singer in um, Crota Raid, too. Correct. Right? So yeah. is that how we got the song of the Ute? So that basically would be, the, that's the, I think the song of Ute, or the, the death song itself, is a descendant of, or a perfected version of the original song of death that was used to pr- crack open the planet. Wow. Um, along with that, what that also means if we are to take everything that's said in the Inquisition of the Damned and the uh, Books of Sorrow, is that if the Death Song actually did come from this original song that talks about that's talked about in the Inquisition of the Damned, then that means the Song of Life is also a real thing. Which, in a personal, like smiling moment for me, one of my favorite characters, Toland, is talked about uh, in Callus's little fan fix <laughs> and they actually talk about bringing toland back to life using the song of life wow because they re- they re- they reverse engineered the song of death which is essentially how they came up with the song of death in the first place was they were trying to recreate the song of life without the proper uh or basically take it from the original owners of the song of life so that was wow Go that's ahead. that's fascinating that would be really cool to see toland um, mm-hmm. you know, and cause he, he's also a very interesting character. Um, and he's mm-hmm. mentioned on my favorite weapon, shadow price. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, yes, he is. Yeah. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so I think Torrent is a pretty interesting character. Because for me, you can't really tell. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Like, whose side is he really on? No. You're not quite ever sure about Torrent. <laughs> yeah, because he wanted us to take the throne after we killed Oryx. And he's like, the throne is vacant. Why didn't you complete the process and take the throne? You so here, here's my thing. Here's my view of Toland. So Toland, as far as he, he's very cold, obviously, and very much the, I guess, the very, very logical one, very cold, logical individual who is still trying to do what's best by humanity. Uh, in general and, and on the larger purpose, but is less caring about the the actual details. They, they, he's not exactly worried about people's feelings. He's worried about making sure that the end goal is met. Um, it's like the, things like the, the, the first Crota Fire team, prime example. Mm-hmm. I was the just thinking there, that. I was just thinking the, that. Yeah. The goal there, was, for Toland anyway, was, hey, I'm going to go down there the, the key to all of this, the key to figuring stuff out and to actually being able to figure out these things is to actually learn what their secrets are, learn how to uh, basically find out what this death song is and use it against them. However we need, we can find out to use this against them, that's what we need because that is their greatest weapon. That is their, that is their greatest weapon that he is able to discern at that point in time. At least that's, that is my belief on why he did what he did. Uh, now, me personally, again, because I like to play devil's advocate with Toland, everything regarding the rest of the Crotus Fire team, Toland never lied to them. He did tell them, we're going to go down there. He's like, this is a futile mission. He never straight, he never told them that you guys, that they stood a chance. And he told them, this is, this is dumb. <laughs> You're, you are on a fool's errand. Mm-hmm. But, he was absolutely willing to say, hey, look, if you're going to go on this revenge vendetta thing, I'll tag along. You're going to end up freaking offing yourself, but I'll tag along because it ends up meeting my needs. It, it'll get it'll put me where I need to be in order to find out what I need to get done. His understanding and, of, you know, the right. hive you know, culture. The, yeah, and, correct. Yeah. And whatever happened to the Crota Fire team in Tolan's mind, obviously, I do not believe he cared. It was... You know, this suits my needs. You guys are going to do whatever you're going to do anyway, because if they hadn't used Toland, they would have they would have had to have found somebody else. I mean, or or just gone themselves, because mm-hmm. Ariana was absolutely dead set. Like she, with everything that happened, uh, as far as re- avenging her lover, as far as talking with Eris, everything that happened there was from Ariana's re- need for revenge. So. Really, when everybody looks at Tolan, they're like, oh, Tolan got the fire team. No, Ariana is the one who freaking put everybody up to this. And it's funny because one of the, thing, one of the things that Ariana says uh, specifically is, you know, somebody who drags their, drags their friends down into hell with them is not a friend. And that was one of the quotes that I believe it was either her or Eris said. And I thought it was always really ironic because it was actually Eris and Ariana that went to go find Tolan. We really collected all of the members up to take them down there. So mm-hmm. that's what I think is a little bit funny that everybody automatically tends to look at Tolan and be like, ah, that guy. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what Vel Tarlo, that was, wasn't that, um, Vel Tarlo died was, spectacularly. Yeah. 
Yeah, he, he was the uh, the Titan at the very beginning who went to challenge. I think it was um, was it Alakul at the very beginning. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, Alakul, and then Alakul put his axe in him, and then a bunch of thrall tore him apart. Yeah, yeah, and then which one was the wizard? Like ripped all the light out of. Um, uh, which one was that? That was the hunter. Uh, oh man, I'm trying to remember his name now. Was it? It wasn't Simoto, was it? No. It was the other one. <laughs> yeah, it was the other one. We yeah. named them all, yeah. except Cy, the other one. Bell, uh, Eris, um, Omar. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, Omar was the one that got the the light ripped out of him, when really everything ripped out of him, and then put into the gun. So. Oh yeah, the um, the uh, xenophage. Xenophage. Yep. Yes. Or suppo- oh. supposedly everything that is Omar that makes him who he is is inside xenophage. So he's living through the gun, just like how Oryx is living through um, the uh, uh, what is the name of that gun? Mm, <laughs> From yes, and, yes and no. Uh, <laughs> the, you're talking about oh the oh. malice. <laughs> Touch of malice. Touch of malice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, in that in that case, I think it's a little bit less because Touch of Malice more defines Oryx's existence, whereas Xenophage actually has essentially somebody who did Body Snatchers 101 and threw Omar inside of a bug, at least from how I read the lore and how I understood it. The lore is fascinating. Like, so the Destiny lore is just, it's it's incredible. Mm-hmm. It, and. And it's really cool how it like you see small things get pieced together one little bit at a time, like throughout. Uh, how like small things will add up. Like for instance, one of the one of the cool theories running right now is the uh, how Savathun. Like if you look at everything that she's been doing so far, and look at all the little plans that she's had her fingers in, um, the things that she's the people that she's been talking to that she's been using. You've got. Uh, this, the death thing, or the ability to pull Guardian's light and, and store it in crystals that, that she's been doing. She's got a necromancer that she's been using and learning and trying to pull his secrets from, right, along with his worm. You've got body snatchers working with, uh, <laughs> as far as the uh, Inquisition of the Damned, where you've got the three hive siblings switching back and forth between bodies. And the part for me where I'm sitting there looking at this from an outside saying, okay, you've got basically the rules of the hive ascendancy and everything like that, as far as what, how things work, you've got these three over here in the inquisition of the dam that are doing body snatchers one like back and forth. You've got all these, the hive crystal experiments that Sabathun's doing. And then you've got a necromancer. One of the things that I've always thought was really interesting was that Oryx's body when we killed him back in D1, his body was still intact. It was basically frozen in space and, and you know, chucked into the, or chucked in orbit around a planet, uh, probably eventually crashing. But one of the things I thought about was how cool would that be if Savathun was using all of this since she's looking for a way to get out of her worm pact with her, with, uh, with her, or her pact with her worm, is to take and reanimate Oryx's dead body and then possess it. That would be that would be interesting. That would be something fascinating. 
Because all, all of her stuff so far is kind of tied back in. Like, everything's part of it, one little part of an interesting scheme or a plan here and there. So it, it's just little things here and there where I'm, I'm sitting there looking at it and just kind of doing my own spin flow, I guess. I've got a question, so, thought, theory, actually. What you got? Um, how much of this is the original Joseph Staten's vision? Joseph Staten is one of the original writers on Destiny, right? Mm-hmm. So how much do we think in that original destiny story before it got cut up from Activision and, and it got, you know, basically rebooted, you know, mm-hmm. how much of this, of the story we got now in the lore was Joseph Staten's original writings. I'm like, not sure. I definitely, I definitely think that some of that stuff's coming back in because I mean, going back to one of the things that we talked about uh, that I've talked about before with people is the the cutscenes that were used when Destiny first launched like I don't know how many people picked up on the fact but the mission that they ran uh, I believe it for was it Gamescon I'm trying to remember what what the the very first uh, E3. gameplay preview the E3 demo E3? yeah yep. the E3 demo that was the Thunderlord mission that we just got recently yes it was so it, like they're going back and they're pulling content that they had used originally in Destiny. They some of the like some of the cutscenes and everything. And that was one of the things I was actually looking forward to is because I could have sworn that we were going to see the cutscene of Aldrin in the Cosmodrome. Aldrin in the Cosmodrome. <laughs> Out here, so, this is how we talk. <laughs> yeah, that that whole thing. Yeah. So I was actually looking at a looking for a reboot of that cutscene just just to. Say they're like, yeah, see, it's not too far off from the original one, or they're using the original story, just different parts of it. Yeah. But, so I, as far as the original story, I don't, I have no idea. I'm, I have, I really don't even know what the original story was. Uh, I did not do a very big review of the original pe- or the original reviews. I read something a long released. time ago that said it was, you know, it just it was more connected. There was like, mm-hmm. it was like taking basically all of D1, year ones, basically, mm-hmm. and just connecting it all, even Taken King, even, I believe in the Dreadnought was in the original story too, like to be with the original mm-hmm. game before it got all diced up, you know? And so. again, that's one of those calls where it's like a business thing where it's, hey, we gotta, we gotta extend it out more. We've got to create, and I think... I think there's a little bit of leeway for the argument that some of destiny's content is spaced out intentionally just to make it last that. And that was Activision. That's what they wanted to do. They wanted people to be able to like, they wanted a more multiplayer focus. Whereas Mm -hmm. I think just Staten wanted to focus more on the single player, the PVP or the PVE, the PVE aspect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I, I think they're, several thoughts that we can have here because on the one hand you know activision did essentially have bungie break up the game in terms of its story that's what i said to yep. create dlc but what we have now i think isn't an upgrade from that i mm-hmm. think we have a lot of filler content in between Mm-hmm. I don't know how much storytelling we're getting now as compared to what we had before. And I don't think it's more of it. I don't think we're getting more. I think we're getting it delivered in like 
different, you know, it, it, the delivery of it, they're using the seasons because obviously, you know, they brought the crow back. It was, we were, we wanted to know what was happening with Aldrin and things mm-hmm. like that. And we're not done with the season yet. So I'm sure there's going to be something that happens at the end of the season. Well, um, and I think part of this whole thing, as far as spacing it out, and this is this goes back to the whole thing of the lore cards that we've been getting in game and the the web entries that we've been getting on Twitter, uh, things like that, where you know these writers are being brought on board and they're creating lore entries that aren't necessarily needed for the lore, but it's world building for the lore. Um, yeah. So it's not necessarily something that's like if we didn't have this lore entry, it would break our understanding of the game. That's not the case at all. Um, I think a lot of this is expanding and creating additional story, and where they're saying, "Hey, look, this is where this this is where the game's at right now. This is where we're looking at you know the space being created. What can we input in here to say?" Hey, look! Here's here's more story to help give this world more color, more interest, and basically bring you into the characters' lives more. Like the end, whenever the planets got taken away from us, investing us into those planetary vendors and their last stand against the triangle ships, I would say that absolutely was not anything that was probably planned in the initial version of the game. And that that would be that would be an example of additional story that we got as an audience that would basically more heavily invest us into it. Yeah. On a slightly different topic, why kid? Mm-hmm. Now that twenty twenty is behind us, what mm-hmm. was your favorite game of twenty twenty <laughs> besides Destiny? Besides Destiny. Oh, boy. Um, honestly, Among Us would probably be one of my favorite games. I was playing quite a bit of that. Uh, <laughs> that, game, that game took off. That game really... It did. Yeah. It really did take off. Yeah, I played quite a bit of that, and it's just... Uh, just some of the crazy antics and things that people do in there is just... Everybody sus. <laughs> but yeah, that, I'd say I played a lot of Among Us. I played um, quite a few of the of the, just you know random phone games just to keep my time busy. And then one of the fun things that I've been doing more lately has been delving back into Halo and playing back through the original series of the Halo games. Just basically they, because I'm trying to get every, I'm trying to get everything leveled up so while I've still got internet connection. <laughs> the so. difficulty on those games like when you put them on mm-hmm. like you know heroic not not mm-hmm. even just like you know it's like man the difficulty is just tough i tried going in there and just like getting wrecked when <laughs> like well, the second especially, level especially for the early for the early games like when you're used to movement capabilities like you have in destiny some of the some of Halo feels so stiff, and you're just like, it's, yeah. It's I do like the fact that they do update the controls where you can have the left trigger aim and right trigger um, shoot. Mm-hmm. I do like that. Yeah. Um, that felt good to have a modern feel when you're playing. Yeah, it. Quali- quality of life in Halo in the earlier versions definitely needed work. <laughs> oh yeah. Now compared like to, compared it, to what were we you have playing now. on the uh, Series X? No, actually, uh, no. I have an Xbox One. Okay. So I, I have not upgraded to any of the new 
uh, any of the new hardware. We're not doing that until after I get back from deployment. So, gotcha. It should be more readily yeah. available too. I think it should be later that's this year. The, that's the hope. Yeah, <laughs> we just gotta get through this initial wave of everybody. You know, getting and who knows you know, by all then. The, Early adopters and things like mm-hmm. that. I, I am one. Early I have one. scalpers. <laughs> <laughs> but I've helped three other people get consoles. I helped my brother get one. I helped one of my friends, and I helped his friend get one. And stuff well, too, it's, so. it's, the, it's the intention behind it. If you're doing it to help people and, and make sure that other people are getting it, then you're doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. If you're doing it so you can charge double the freaking <laughs> the worth of the, play of the console, I'm going to kind of look at you weird. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> so why kid on that note what's next for you so for me personally uh, i'm like i said i'm going to be deploying here before too long and i'm going to be taking quite a large break uh between now and when i get back uh should be i'll be getting back towards the end of the year uh once i do that is when the major uh, or the majority of my stuff is going to start back up. We're actually uh, launching a website um, and a stream or launching a website plus a stream uh, complete with merch and all that good stuff. Then because of the fact that at this point, when, once I get back, I will have missed two full Guardian Cons or GCXs as they are now being called. Uh, one of the things that I want to that I miss personally is being able to actually donate to St. Jude's. But since I'm not going to be at the event, one of the things that I'm setting up is a comic that I'm going to be drawing up while I'm on deployment. Um, it's, it's a 50 page comic as a story about my, my original character that I talked about earlier, Dame, uh, the EXO and his journey as a guardian, uh, becoming who he is. The comic is going to be made available online all proceeds for it uh, go to St. Hugh's Children's Hospital. That's really cool. That's, I'll definitely want to. I'll definitely do that. I'll definitely purchase um, that because that sounds and awesome. Then, yeah, I, this, I do not want. I, one of the things that I wanted to do with this project was make sure that everybody was secure in knowing that hey, every every single cent that you guys give is going straight to St. Jude's. The comic itself is actually also going to be printed off. Uh, having two different versions of it made. One is going to have a specialized cover. One's going to be a standard basic graphic novel. Uh, Those will actually be sold in person at the event, uh, at the next GCX that they have that I am able to attend for. And all the, again, all the money is going straight to St. Jude's. I'm putting up all the money to put it both in the published format into buying the book covers, all of it, and then donating at guardian con while I'm there. So by the end of the day, whether if all the issues are sold, everything's going, no matter what, all the money's going to St. Jude. That's awesome. That's really Thank awesome. you for doing that. That's great. Yeah, yeah like I said, definitely something keep that us I posted. And yeah, whenever it becomes available for purchase, we'll definitely mm-hmm. make sure to support that. I'll, I'll definitely be pushing that information out there to everybody. Like I, like I said, it's, that, that cause in particular means a lot to me the children's hospitals do not get nearly enough credit for what they're doing. Um, uh, per, I mean, this is as far as my personal motivation. Um, I told you guys before the show, my son has a heart condition. Um, it's it has a very high mortality rate. Mm-hmm. And essentially the, 
the the programs like what St. Jude offers is what the reason why my son's here today. And that's that's yeah. That's what's most important, and that's the that's what I want to make sure that everybody understands is that because of events like Guardian Con, because of people who are willing to give, where these programs don't have enough, it's they save lives, and that's my son is evidence of that. Yeah. So and that's absolutely. What, that's, just definitely for for anybody out there listening, if you donated uh, to St. Jude's last year or the year before, or if you donated online this year, just thank you so much from somebody who has definitely been affected by that. Yes, 100%. Uh, wow. um, yeah, it's definitely a great cause and really important to support, especially, you know, when you have so many kids going through so many unique things and suffering and to have a level of support for them. I think it's really, really important. And uh, it's so, so important to support these great causes. And uh, thank you for sharing your story with us and for um, doing your part to support such an important cause. Yes. So, Guardians, we're going to kind of pivot a little bit, and we're going to talk about 2021. It's a new year, new destiny. A lot of changes are going to be happening this year. A lot of things are going to be changing in the world of destiny as we know it, because we know that Bungie is a very proactive company. If they see that something isn't working, they're quick to respond and to do whatever they can within their means to make the game better. And I thought it would be kind of fitting for us to make some predictions for 2021 with Destiny 2. And I'd like to share our top five predictions that we think are going to happen in 2021 with the Destiny franchise. So these are five things that we don't know, but we were that were five things we don't know, hopes, but that we hopes think and dreams. are going to happen. <laughs> Let me give you one. I think, and I know it sounds crazy, but when we get Vogue, I think we're getting we're getting the Vex class, but we are also getting Gallarhorn. Wow, Galley too, huh? I think we're gonna get a Galley with hmm. with Vogue when season fifteen hits. I See, I do believe the Vex. I, I do believe that. I, I believe that. I would, whole, I would hope. I would hope. I, I believe that whole original loop pool <laughs> is coming back to Vogue. We they've yeah. Joe um Joe uh, what's his face Blackburn already confirmed Fatebringer, so um mm-hmm. so that makes me happy, and so I'm I'm guessing Vision and all those other ones will come back. But Galley too, huh? You think you think you get it from the secret chest? One of those chests. In the in Vogue? <laughs> I think they got a little bit smarter than to grant me a Gallarhorn from the first chest from the raid, but who knows? Probably a maybe quest. I'll get the spoils. Maybe, mm. maybe something like a quest, like a secret quest or something. Now, the re- the real question with that though is do you think it'd be able to hold up against the rockets we have now? Oh, uh Isa tomorrow? Oof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, do, or or I mean, hell, even Warcliffe coil. 
Um, like as far as Galley goes, I think Galley. I, I, I don't know. That's the thing. They, that is the weapon. Like that is the most unknown because that mm-hmm. was the weapon that was most sought after in Destiny One. That was like that was the weapon. Yeah, the, Gallahorn. The nostalgia, the, the nostalgia part is definitely there. It's yeah. just the, whether or not the performance, or if they can upgrade the performance to keep it up to wanting level, or keeping. I think they can, but I think they can also balance it so that if you're playing a raid, you're not getting a boss killing machine. Because think like about what Gallahorn would do to um to uh, Tanix, like mm-hmm. <laughs> like six Gallahorns, <laughs> like. But think about this. But think about this. It actually him. makes a lot of sense because they would be doing it during season fifteen when that raid is. I don't want to say irrelevant, but most players have already played it. So you Their don't think it's coming piece. the same season as Vogue, right? You, you're, you said season 15, because I think Vogue is coming in 14. I think Vogue think is coming, coming in 14 and season 14. Yeah. Um, because see, I, I think it's coming in season 15. So you why do you say season 14? Because it's really going to be too close to the new raid. Like, um, for the new raid will obviously be coming to Witch Queen, right? And that's going to be season 16, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think they would want to space that raid out a little bit between, you know, like not butt it right up against the new raid that's coming out. Um, and I would think that they will want to give us a good piece of content for, you know, for us this year. You know, they did say later this year, but that could mean anything, right? Uh, so later is still May, and that's when I think the f- season 14 would kick off because that's season 13 starts in February. So Yeah, but, I mean, even if they yeah. did it during the summertime, even if it was season 14, for them to return the Gallarhorn into the game, by the time the new raid is available, not a lot of people are going to care about the previous raid. If you're a hardcore player, then you already played it. You've already done it. You've done it many times. You've got your eyes of tomorrow. So I don't mm. think their concern will be melting that specific boss, right? And I no, think I, I was them, just throwing out an example that that, yeah, that was just so but arbitrary but it would thing. make sense for them to do that. And maybe by Witch Queen, when we get that raid, then hopefully their boss mechanics won't allow for the Gallarhorn to be so rampant and dangerous and just allow you to cheese the balls. Turn it back into month one of uh, Crota. <laughs> and, I mean, it's they can always disable it during contest mode, too. They they yeah. disabled a few weapons during contest mode. And that's the thing. That was smart with Crota because your damage wasn't with your weapons. You were just taking a shield down. The damage was with the sword, you know, mm-hmm. for Crota. Like yeah. you couldn't do damage without that sword, you know. So, um, but yeah, they could have some sort of mechanic like that, you know, for sure. Okay, yeah. so I mean, that's your I, prediction. I think they, and they, that's my prediction. Okay. okay. Vexing. Why, why, kid? What do you think? What's your prediction so, for twenty twenty one in Destiny two? My prediction for twenty twenty one for Destiny two. Honestly, I want to see. 
I want to see Aldrin come back. Like Aldrin, Aldrin come back. But I don't, I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. One of the thing, one of the biggest, I guess, upsetting things for me that's been so far in Destiny, uh, to uh, since the Crow's return or since the Crow uh, came in back into it, has been really the complete, like absolute and utter complete departure from who the old Aldrin was. Now that that has a lot of good things to it. Um, because they made it, they made it very, very clear and easy to see that Aldrin and Crow were not the same person at all, period, whatsoever. With that being mm-hmm. said, I think a lot of people still bring the nostalgia and the the character wonder of who Aldrin was and attach it to who Crow is as part of their as part of the infatuation with the character. And really, what I what I want to see and what I'm predicting is that the crow is going to be playing a lot. We're going to see a lot more of Aldrin come out of the crow. I think we're, we're going to see a lot more of the behaviors and stuff that we, that we remember from Aldrin in the past. And we're going to see more of that come out in who crow is just to show that there actually is a connection there. Cause right now there's so much of a lack of it that it really makes me wonder what does it matter what the person was like in their pre- in their past life. So it doesn't really, the character, the individual, or who they are isn't really what matters because nothing about them is going to survive into the next body. I want to see that meeting in the tower. Like, is is, is Crow going <laughs> to, is that going to happen? Is he going to go to the tower and well, then Ikora's going to just well, come I'm up pretty, and... I'm pretty sure that was actually in one of the lore entries that they've already, that they've already covered that where Ikora was talking to Zavala about he wants to help. And... Mm-hmm. Zavala said, "Okay, we'll bring him in." Okay, so that 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 meeting is either definitely occurring or has already occurred. Mm. Uh, I want to see it in game, though. I want I want to see that in game. You want, you want to see that first initial cool. thing where Ikora looks over at him and just goes, "Oh, come How here!" How cool would it be <laughs> if we get a cutscene with Aldrin and he seems all cool, and then all of a sudden you see that yellow glow in his eyes? And everything goes dark. And you're in suspense. You don't know what's going to happen. Like the, the cutscene will be something where, where Crow's talking to us and everything. And then all of a sudden the Guardian's like, yeah, cool. Everything's, everything's great. And then as our Guardian leaves, the, it focuses in on Crow. And then he says something very Aldrin-y. Very <laughs> like, snarky. Very dis- yeah, very <laughs> snarky, deceptive. Like he's got his memories back or something. And yeah. then it just cuts out. Oh, that would that be would, fun. That, yes, it would so, be. So here's here's an interesting food for thought. Mm-hmm. If history repeats itself, then this year we're going to get a returning destination from the Destiny content vault. Yes. My question is, with the Witch Queen, what are we getting next? What's coming back from Destiny 1, maybe? What destination is coming back and what raid is coming back next after the Vault of Glass? See, this is this could be like the easiest layup of all time. But will Bungie do it? You know, with it being so like the Witch Queen, obviously it's dealing with Savathun. Would they bring back Dreadnought? Are are you sure it's dealing with Savathun? Wait, it's not. 
We've already gotten reference that there's a, there's also another Witch Queen possibility with uh, with everything going on on Europa right now with the possible different timelines and everything like that. Hmm, I are you are you tracking on that one? I'm not completely tracking. So, we're, we're not talking about. Go ahead. I'm not talking about Mara. Right? No. Oh. No, we're not talking about Mara. Although I would like to see her ev- again eventually. Oh, I would love point. to see Mara. Mara is one of my favorite <laughs> characters. Mara but. is just like, you know, her. She bows to no one. She bows to no one. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the witch queen I'm referencing is actually Eris Morn. Oh. Because in, wow. in, Elsie's, in Elsie's future, or in her, I guess, Elsie's past, uh, when when her original timeline was and everything was going on, Eris Morn was the witch queen. She was actually the one that was basically manipulating and working everything in behind the scenes and manipulating everybody. So in a different timeline, in a, correct in a different timeline. Oh, the stranger did the Exo Stranger, the, the stranger see this? Yes, the original oh. Exo Stranger. Her whole thing of snapping back in time and everything like that. Part of like. The timeline that that specifically is referenced to the they call it basically they call it the other side is it's what it's often referenced to as uh, throughout the war. Uh, other side sparrow is one of the ones that mentions it. That looks like the Rat King sparrow. Oh yeah, that's um, right. So, but one of the things that it talks about was uh, that Elsie talks about as you're unlocking your stasis capabilities is that on that in that other timeline everybody turned to darkness and that there's even a version of us that turned to darkness completely in that timeline so that's this is one of those you know that's one of those things where i'm kind of looking at are they, are they really going to be talking about sabathun or are they going to be talking about this is the rise of eris morn that we're trying to stop because you've got those theories of time where you know you can always throw the stone into the into the river, as it were, but the river is going not going to change its course. It's going to just find another way around and resume course. So, I think this is one of those times where we're going to start looking into those kind of theories of, you know, can you really change time? So when she put that projection up, and you know, during season of arrivals, and she's like Sabathun, you know, and she's mentioned the Witch Queen, mm-hmm. is she just like a double agent, like basically, like I mean, that's the other part that that kind of leans into that whole theory is that all of this stuff that we've been getting of hey look this is this is the machinations of this person or or you know uh all, all the reason why they're taking her here is because or or because uh, oryx is here but there's again oh the, the cutscene from d1 you know, where she's like yeah, it's the, done you know and mm-hmm. like uh and she said my queen at the end and, the guardian and, was the key of, like and yep and and there's things regarding hey is it was she talking to uh, the queen was she talking to the queen of the reef Mara or was she talking to the witch queen? Um, mm. And there's there's evidence really for both sides at this point where it's like okay, we know in another timeline she really was working for you know Sabathun until she basically took over and, and started manipulating her. And then there's we have evidence that she's been communicating with the queen. So really, again, it goes back to the whole thing of there's all kinds of you know, which queeny stuff going on. It's just, which one is the one that's actually doing it? <laughs> which queen is doing yeah, it? Exactly. Oh which, my which God. Queen. It's a play on words too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Bungie. I tell you, <laughs> well, my, my, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, one of my I'm going to be boring. One of my wishes is to get Venus back as a destination. You know, that's um, that's I want Venus back. You know, I I something about that place, just seeing it and, you know, uh, in the new light and everything. And, you know, in in Destiny 2, it's just going to give me those feelings of nostalgia that, you know, and then get the Nexus strike back too, like as well. And that music and that strike. Oh, my God. It's just so amazing. So is that so. your prediction that we're going to get <clears throat> after yeah. the Witch Queen is out? We're going to get well, no, Venus? Well, no, I don't think it's going to be after the Witch Queen. I don't, I don't, I just think it's a 2021 prediction. You you know, basically, I think we'll get okay. Venus back. So you think it's, it's getting, it's going to come back sometime in 2021? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Here's right. another prediction that I have. I think with Iron Banner... In 2021, we're going to see some returning Destiny 1 armor and weapons. I think Bungie will finally, finally do it. I I really hope that prediction I hope is so. accurate. I want my Boba so. helmet back. <laughs> I, I want my, um, you know, just the effort each spear back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yoder's hammer. Like, the D1 weapons were awesome. Near One's Mercy. Um all those all those good good ones that they had oh man so kind of going on that whole thing with the specifically the with iron banner and i mean this is more rise of iron if they're gonna if they're gonna recycle or bring stuff back that they sunset how much would you love to see some of the old weapons that we got from like the like the original content from D one yes and brought yes like, absolutely like the rise vanilla. of iron weapons yeah I'll, vanilla I'll D one yeah bring those weapons forward like, yes get, that would be a great way to take content that they already have that they that they reworked or that's currently in the in the vault bring it forward and say hey look you had this before but you've never had it in in this game in this environment. Right, and these are the extra perks that we gave it. And they're doing that very little bit next season because they're bringing back Shadow mm-hmm. Price, Palindrome, and the Swarm, and those are mm-hmm. all D one weapons. Two of them are from Vanilla. Shadow Price yep. and the Swarm are from Vanilla. So mm-hmm. I would love to see them bring back the old faction weapons like Red Hand Nine, and um, like Judgment Six, and uh, Hung Jury. Uh, you know, oh god, Hung Jury is so good. I remember that thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, so like, what is it called? The Ares Nemesis, uh, Proxima Centauri, like some like the old D1 weapons, Light Beware, like that nobody's ever heard of from Vanilla, mm-hmm. like Prudence 4, like the sniper rifle from New Monarchy, the Vanquisher, auto rifle from New Monarchy. Imago Loop was my pers- one of my personal favorites that I miss. Yeah. Yeah. Like they could, they have a whole slew of those weapons. And you could even take some of the blue ones because there were some really cool blue ones back in D one too. And you could make them legendaries like now. And th- and that's and, yeah, that's one of the things that I've always thought was missing from Destiny was it, an ability to do something like that, but in the game, like yeah. being able to upgrade because you get some amazing like all think about how many blues, whites, and greens there are in this game. Right. And yeah. Once you get the purple, all those assets, they're gone. They're worthless. They they mean nothing to the player at all, whatever. They I mean, did do it with one of them up. from D1 and Forsaken. They took the blue duke from D1 and turned it into a legendary. So they've done this before. Yeah. 
they've done it. There's, right. You know, so it would be really mm-hmm. cool. I, I like that prediction, and I would love to see that. <laughs> Absolutely. I have another prediction. I think with the Witch Queen, Bungie will promote that expansion as having the most new weapons of any content release in Destiny 2. Well, they already said that, though. That's so that's not really a prediction. Did, did they? Did they already say that? <laughs> yeah, they, did yeah. they confirm that? Joe Blackbird confirmed that in the. Um, what was this? In the in the um, rewards update blog that he had that before they went on break. <laughs> yeah, that it's he going to have the most. It's going to have the most of any. Yeah, of any of the other expansions. Well, I must have hit the snooze button there, <laughs> but uh, well, prediction so confirmed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, so here's here's another one, and this is I guess me asking you guys if you think this could be an accurate prediction. I think we're going to see at least one more subclass released with Witch Queen. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, well, I, I think I, we'll I, see one more Darkness subclass released with. I agree, I agree with that. Yep. Here I got another prediction: um, the return of Prison of Elders. I don't know which season it would come in, but I think PoE was one of the best three-man activities and still is to this day mm-hmm. in all of Destiny. Oh, yeah. President See, Elders I, had, I have a, had I have great... A slight, I have a slight rebuttal on that. I think it's going to happen. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think it's going to happen this year. Okay. But I think next year, I think it, there's a better chance of this happening... For one of the seasons, maybe, you know, season 18 or 20 or whatever. I mean, because we got Varys back. He, the homeboy is back, you know, so why not bring back his activity too? Yeah, no, I think, I think that would be an excellent activity to bring into the game, especially with everything that they kind of took out. You know, the menagerie is gone. Um, you can't really, you know, farm. And we still have the reef. So I mean, we do, yeah. You know, I would say, do you guys do you guys think that anything is actually going to be done with the Dreaming City this year? Yes. Will the, will the curse be broken? Right. Yeah. Well, like this, um, this, you're getting your me. rewards back, and they're going to be higher. <laughs> <light>. <laughs> well, <okay>. New <laughs> things I mean, are to, happening. To me, you see, that <laughs> has been the single most stagnant location in current. No, what you're is, is currently uh, you're absolutely right about that. <laughs> I think and, it's the most underused location. I think it has so much potential. And it's huge. It's such a nice location, so lush, and there's so much space. And, and if they would have so gave us new weapons for it, like I think that would have been better <laughs> than given reissues. You know, like yeah. you give new weapons, and then no, we're talking. Okay, let's let's go. You know. Mm-hmm. But it's like, oh, almost like a missed opportunity in a way. And, and we're going to talk about that in in just a little bit because we have a juicy Bungie weekly update this week. Lots of information from Bungie. And before we kick things off with the weekly update segment, do we have any more predictions for 2021 with Destiny 2? There will be people upset about PvP. 
<laughs> yes. Yes. That's probably the, I, I the only for sure prediction. That's that a I really make. yeah. <laughs> I think I think that's a solid prediction. <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, you heard it here on the Destiny Show. And Guardians, we have this week at Bungie finally back tonight with a new update. Thank you, DMG. So much information here tonight. We have changes coming to vendors, the Dreaming City, and the Moon. Sandbox tuning, Hunter Stasis ability changes, and much, much more. So many things going on. First up, we have a rewards update from the Dreaming City and the Moon. We're getting... Wait for it. Wait for it. This word is it triggers me so much. Reissued. <laughs> oh my god. Dreaming City, Reverie Dawn, and Moon Dreambane armor. Oh These will god. also drop with high stats when earned in the Shattered Throne or the Pit of Heresy. Okay. The final chest in the Pit of Heresy will no longer drop a fully masterworked dreamed dream bane piece of armor okay instead the dream bane piece of armor that drops will have seven armor energy and is guaranteed to drop with at least plus 16 in two different stat rolls okay so what do we (laughs) think about this i don't care about armor (laughs) and i haven't especially reissued armor um because I'm just going to throw a ornament on it, you know, because I, I personally don't like the looks of those armors, either one of them. Um, and I'm just going to take an ornament. Okay. Well, maybe this there. will make you a little bit happier. <laughs> Reissued. I'm sorry. It's not me. It's DMG. <laughs> Weapons from the Dreaming City will now come with new perks. <clears throat> including Waking Vigil, Sleepless, Vouchsafe, and Retold Tale. Well, the bright spot is Waking Vigil and Retold Tale because yeah. I do miss my Waking Vigil. I really liked that weapon. I thought it was a really nice, like, you know, had a nice archetype. And it was very, I used it in Crucible a lot. I really liked that weapon. Um, so uh, I am happy about those two, actually. I will say this about the armor, having the guaranteed plus 16 and two stat rolls, having that, knowing that there's a location where you're like, hey, finishing this, I think that definitely gives people a different capability for grinding regarding like making sure that they're actually putting themselves into an activity that will give them higher level stat rolls. Um, That personally, for anybody who's, I guess, not grinding the season pass, because I know for pretty much anybody who's not like in a raid itself uh, or the incentive going into a raid, it's basically looking at it as, okay, what, where can I find the best armor? And right now for anybody who's not playing raids or anybody who's doing mainly solo play or whatever uh, throughout this, all their armor that they're going to be able to find that can get them good, decent stat rolls is usually in the season pass. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think this is definitely a, a, a guaranteed good, like, Hey, look, get in there, get in a raid, guaranteed you're going to get good armor if you come out of this or if you finish out with the raid. I think that is definitely a good incentive 
to say, or some good incentive that they can count on getting and saying, hey, look, this is a, a, a definite plus. You can grind it to make sure that you're getting the actual right rolls for it, and it still has a substantial size loot pool that it can provide variation to still be, uh, I guess, fitting within Bungie's grind limits, as I like to uh, call them. <laughs> or they, they want to encourage you to grind and spend more time on it, but not make you feel like it's hopeless trying to get it. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. I, I so. want them to... I, I want to care about this. I really do. Mm-hmm. I, I would like to care about stat rolls and things like that. But I, I don't know if I do. Well, why don't you? Why don't you care? Because it's not new. It's, it's stuff we're running back into and they're reissuing it. You know, like that, well, that whole word reissue. Just like. Let me tell uh, you what I think part of it is also. I think one of the problems that Destiny has right now is that you'll chase after something really good, something high stat, you get it, and then what? It's not like they're creating content that's going to make that very useful for you at that point. Because by that point, once you have that weapon, you've done everything. The Crucible doesn't offer you any reason to to continue playing with that high stat armor. By the time that you achieve that high stat armor, you have probably played the raid more than enough times to have all of the rewards from it. Again, making the raid content at that point irrelevant with that high stat armor. They need to give you a reason to use it once you have it. They need to create activities that will incentivize you. Like, let me give you an example. In Call of Duty, you have zombies, right? So if you get something really good that permanently unlocks for you, you have a reason to continue leveling up. And Destiny needs something like that, where you can continue to progress in difficulty. Something like it, like it's in a true MMO-like type of game, like, like Final mm-hmm. Fantasy fourteen online or something like that, you know? Like, have really hard activities. I mean, they do have the Grandmaster Nightfalls, and those are really hard i mean i i still haven't played one yet but i will definitely be playing them next season because i want an adept shadow price you know they're they're brutal so it's like they so they do have a you know they do have a reason for that but i you're right for this like i don't see a reason to like i mean yeah to just go in and play with your buddies like you know do the dungeon and hope to get some you know high stat armor and stuff but yeah what is what is the reason well, give us a reason to do it, you know, give us some cool, you know, hard activities and things like that, you know, challenging kind, you know, just, I don't know. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you on that. I think, I think Bungie needs an activity kind of like Call of Duty zombies where it's not zombies per se, but it's waves of enemies. And as you progress, a true horde you mode. get better tier armor and weapons yeah like a true horde mode Mm -hmm. they can create really cool skins and really cool you know elements to it to make it really cool and incentivized the system they have right now they're trying but i think they're doing a lot of what they've been doing before they're copying the same model if you think about it i think that you know they're thinking about destiny in a very linear way right 
like Prison of Elders, that was like a very unique spin on I was game. just about to mention that. Mm-hmm. That was their best attempt in a horde mode was uh, Prison we of Elders. We haven't had anything like that since. You know, we've had mm-hmm. attempts like Escalation Protocol, for example. But even then, it's like you're asking me to play this activity for seven days of getting you have three not weapons. very great drops and only to maybe get 100%. something at the end that might be good. And that's why people found a way to cheese it. And that's why POE was so good, because it had the rewards. It had the reward structure. Not only did you get armor, you got a bunch of weapons from it. You know, like the loot pool was great. And that's what they're having a hard time with is these rewards. The rewards and the reward incentive is what they're Mm -hmm. struggling with right now. And hey, speaking of those rewards, on the Dreaming City, you'll have to play the Shattered Throne to get those really special roles and really <laughs> unique perks that you can't get from other sources. So heads up, if you want the Dreaming City weapons with really cool perks, you're going to have to play the dungeon. Um, also, I did mention briefly, reissued weapons from the moon will also be introduced into the loot pool. The Premonition will be available in the Pit of Heresy, Heretic, Blasphemer, I hope I pronounced it right, and Apostate? Apostate, I think it's called. Apostate. Yeah. So I pronounced Um, that wrong. Okay. Those are the three weapons from the, um, the, uh, what is it called? The thing in the moon, basically. The, uh... The altars. The altars, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Basically. So they're already in the game, right? (laughs) I mean, do they still yeah. drop from those things? I think they do, but they only drop with the sunset light, you know, sunset whatever level. I, I think that's how it works. I haven't really tried. So it's, that, I guess I it's nice that they're going to give us a, you know, a, you know, level, you know, uh, you know, relevant ones. See, to me, that one kind of stings a little bit more than the other ones do. Yeah. Because now you've just completely invalidated the altars. Yeah, right. if if you're putting in there saying, "Hey, look, this event, you get these these weapons at at current light," and they're not taking it off the altars, that kind of it it defeats the point. It completely de- like takes the reason. It's almost like to- tone deaf in a way, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, why would, why would you spend the time, all that time doing the altars? That is a public event, and you need lots of people. You know, at, at least a three man fire team plus in order to get this activity done. And that's actually or, a cool event, believe it or not. Like I do. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's, yeah. it's a lot of fun. And that's actually, to me, that is, that was way more fun than escalation protocol was. Oh, I agree. hundred percent, hundred percent. So, and just some of the, so I, that to me personally was a great event. And to say that, okay, this is now getting the same exact rewards. It just takes a lot of the incentive to doing the altars out. They should have just brought them back in there, like put them right back, you know, just with the updated ones, you know, mm-hmm. a reason to do it, you know, yeah. like, but I don't know. <laughs> and we have more changes too. the lost sectors on the Dreaming City will now have legendary and master versions available on the moon, including the K1 Logistics K1 Communication, K1 Crew Quarters, and K1 Revelation. I think that's cool. All be available. Because I I like those lost sectors. 
And a reason to go in there to do them again is to do the, you know, legend and master one, you know, for, you know, um, it's hard content, you know, going in there and doing one of those solo for trying to get an exotic. It, it, it's a, it's challenging. And Hey, maybe mm -hmm. we'll get a new exotic from those activities. That might be interesting, but they won't talk about it quite yet. Cause you know, we got to get a few surprises. <laughs> yeah. Can't give everything away. No. Yeah. Well, they can, but they probably shouldn't. <laughs> so we have some more stuff to talk about. Turning in those tokens. Bungie what? will be adding two unique weapon rewards to each of the three playlist rituals. So six in total across the three activities. Crucible, Gambit, and Vanguard, which are strikes, of course. These weapons are in addition to the ones that are getting added in Season of the Hunt and continue to have a small chance to drop at the end of each activity. Also, starting in Season 13 for Gambit and Crucible, Valor, and in the future Seasons for its Strikes, rank rewards will be visible on the Ritual Vendor. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Each so season, you'll yeah. also be greeted by a row of rewards. Progression towards will be earned automatically as you complete relevant playlist activities. Guys, I got 16,000 Crucible tokens to turn in before the end <laughs> well, of the season. Well, <laughs> it'll be good. I mean, I, have, I think I have about uh. similar amount. Um, I think I have like 25,000 Vanguard tokens. I have something crazy. Um, but yeah, this is really interesting. So we're getting some form of improvement. We're getting a few more weapons that are unique in each of the playlists. It's kind of what we wanted, right? I mean, we wanted a vendor refresh. We're getting there. You know, we're like... Yeah. Baby steps. Maybe a quarter of the way there, maybe. <laughs> maybe yeah, there. basically. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I think that's good. Um, I think it's a welcoming change. And, and also, I know that they mentioned in the update that you would see the rewards that you're getting before you get those rewards. So you can predict what you're going to get as you rank up your individual activity mm -hmm. yeah that's, that's interesting cool. bungie goes on to state that you'll reset your rank right after right at the vendor by picking up the final reward rewards for each activity rituals are as follows rank four you get three upgrade modules rank seven you get three enhancement cores Rank 10, you get Seasonal Ritual Shaders. Rank 13, you get two Enhancement Prisms. And then rank 16, you get a Seasonal Ritual Emblem. And when you reset your rank, you get an Ascendant Shard. Mm -hmm. The Ascendant Shard's nice. Because they're they're very uh, hard, you know. They're hard to come by. 
it's a lot of you got to I mean, if you play them. the nightfalls, then you can probably get them fairly easy. It depends. Depends on how much you yep. grind out the game content. Yep. I actually really like this change. Like that's anything that gets more stuff out of my inventory and actually replaces it with some or replaces it with a system that's more efficient and doesn't require me to hang on to hang on to things that take a long time to get rid of it. That that's a quality of life improvement for me because I'm kind of in the, you're talking about the tokens. Yes. Getting rid of the tokens and everything like that. That that automatically makes this change for me feel better. The rewards are kind of meh, but if you think about it, when you're, when you're getting dropped all these rewards while you're playing like say crucible for me, because that's where I'm normally hanging out at. Anytime I'm leveling up and I'm getting these, I'm getting dropped purple gear, maybe a couple weapons or a shard anyway. Now, if you look at it from that point that up to up till now, that's what you've been getting has been purple gear shards and weapons parts or sharding the the gear and getting weapons parts and shards for that. So really what we're actually receiving in my eyes is better than what we have right now. Even though the rewards don't necessarily might not necessarily seem to pop very much except for that, you know, that final reset they actually do seem to be quite a bit better than what we normally get whenever we do our rank ups. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to the change too. just anything to change the way it is right now, you know? So it's like <laughs> anything is better than what it is right now. So, you know, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see how it plays in game. You know, is it a true ranking system? I don't know. You know, I won't know until I play it. <laughs> I mean, I I think it's a short term fix, right? It's not something that will largely impact your gameplay in the long term. I think that Mm -hmm. it's something they were able to quickly implement for a seasonal update. Mm -hmm. But I think that they're thinking behind the scenes, what can they do more substantially to enhance your long-term gameplay and i i truly believe that and they're working on it and i i get it it's gonna take time maybe the witch queen maybe after that but uh you know i i think these are good things right we're getting more weapons we're getting some new rewards they're doubling down on it they're they're trying and you can tell based on all of these changes that are happening with the game right they're trying to address all of these things to be more transparent, whether it be adding more vendor items or, you know, adding more loot into the game. I mean, which they, I think, unfortunately, didn't expect to run so thin so quickly. Yeah. And based on com- community feedback, Joe Blackburn, you know, responded. He stated that they're working on these changes, but a lot of these changes he also stated won't happen in the short term because you can't just hire new staff on the spot. It takes time. I feel like to, to it's going to be an uphill people. battle all season or all year. It's going to be an uphill it's battle. It's going to be an uphill battle at least yeah. until the Witch Queen, if not after mm-hmm. that. And then if you think about it, I mean, then we have maybe potentially one more major expansion at least that we know of mm-hmm. right Lightful. so yeah that's going to be their opportunity to really show where the franchise will go next because that's going to be a very pivotal point 
I think this year in the Destiny franchise, it's going to be very important because it's going to predict essentially where the next 12 months will be for Destiny. Whether the company will have to join forces with Xbox or bring on other studios or can they do it on their own? And and they have that to prove. And 2020 was a rough year. We talked about it. You know, it wasn't a normal year in any respect for any industry, whether you're a game developer, whether you're, you know, whatever it is that you do. So, yeah, and I'm sure they have this like whiteboard and, you know, that they're working on, working through. And they're probably also thinking, when can we actually get back to the studio, too? <laughs> you know, it's like. And we all don't know. We don't yeah. know. I mean, we have the UK coming in with a more deadly virus. Uh, I don't know, more contagious virus. I don't even know. Things are, you know, still up in the air, largely. So we don't know how this year is going to play out. Um, but I can tell you that Bungie will release new content this year. I think they're working hard. They're doing what they can, but a company Mm. on its own can only sustain for so long unless they're doing really, really, really well. And I don't think Bungie is the kind of company that's thriving right now. Like, I think that their player base has taken a hit since, the crucible has been neglected for whatever period of time. And on the topic of crucible, we're going to talk about one more thing in the weekly update, but I digress just a little bit. Do we feel like free to play has been the reason for that? I think free to play is a bad idea. Yeah. I think free to free to play is a bad idea. And here is why I think the intention behind it is great. You get to play the game with your friends you get to enjoy it, and you they can start the game with you. They can go in and play. But here's the problem. You're giving away, as a company, too much to the free players where your paid content is now suffering. You're not getting as much with the paid content. And if you're a very casual player, where I'm sure a lot of people are, they're not going to pay for something they don't have to. Here's Especially a prime example. Especially if you're a kid. Here's a prime example. Like we saw how good Trials of Osiris was in D1, right? They put mm-hmm. that behind a paid DLC, you know, and it, and it shined. That activity was amazing. Like it filled, you know, the Twitch directory like every weekend for, you know, that, that whole year practically. You know, so do you guys do you guys think that the free to play is the problem or that there's too much that's made available for free to play? I think it's too much of it. Yeah. And, and it's taken away, like, make, you know, from making new maps for Crucible or making new strikes or, you know, making new weapons, you know, putting new weapons in there and everything. Um, I mean, they could it, they could put trials behind a paywall and make it part of the seasonal content, making you buy the season. Yeah, I mean, it's they did it in D1, <laughs> you know, it's I mean, it's like I wouldn't be surprised if they did it again in D2. And I wouldn't think it would be a bad idea, per se. Because I'm not against people being able to play with their friends for free. But think about this. What happened after Bungie announced the Crucible is going free to play? What happened? They got no new maps. It was abandoned. 
when you when it, you give something for free, it's very difficult for them to sustain it as a company. And because Lars Bakken was basically people. like yeah. he went through another into another role. He wasn't dedicated crucible like anymore. He was like design lead or something yeah. like that. Well, because you have yeah. to pay people. And if you're not yeah. able to pay people to produce the new content, this is the consequence of it. So I, I think there can exist a free to play model, maybe like an introductory mission, you know, like the new maybe light part of yeah. maybe part of Crucible. Maybe you have, you know, access to one of or two of the playlists in the Crucible. Right? But not necessarily things like Iron Banner, for example. That and that's why we wouldn't content. want we wouldn't want Bungie to go free to play, or I mean Destiny to go free to play because well, it, it just kind the, of did. I mean, you can download Destiny on any platform, and if you have no, game I'm talking Pass, about the game overall. If it ever decided to go free to play, like well, it like, kind of did. You know? It kind of did. Think about it. What happened with all of the vanilla Destiny two content? It all went free to play, and it it was made obsolete before it was completely removed from the game. No, I meant the, the whole game. Like the whole game, everything, like raids and everything. I don't, like eventually, I don't like, think they can afford to do that. No, they can't. You know, and, and yeah, I think that I think model. it would be very detrimental for Bungie to go to a completely free-to-play model. Because here's the thing. Who is your core player base? If you're a Destiny fan, you're probably a Halo fan. And you're loyal to the company that kind of promised. Or you were, were a Call of Duty fan, too. Right. Maybe. Uh, um, we're not going to milk you with, with microtransactions. Or Call of Duty Ghosts. Uh, let me be specific. Call of Duty Ghosts and Black Ops 2. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, and, and that's the thing is I think free-to-play has taken away from things that are paid. You know, like, you know, things that we used to pay for in D1. And I feel like some of it, some of it has um, suffered unfortunately like the crucible you know the crucible like feels like it's just like it's not updated it's not again like you know they're finally finally addressed it like in this twab mm-hmm. thank you for addressing it you know but it's like it's been a long time since it's had any kind of like updates or anything like that no new maps and no new no chase or anything no reason to play it only other than just liking pvp in general crucible mm-hmm. well you know and you know i think from my perspective since bungie moved destiny from battlenet to steam i feel like they've had more problems with the crucible in terms of cheaters and a lot of the issues that they are facing right now and i think that actually became more of a problem after the move to steam now, so here's here going off of that same thought process though. Was the Crucible have this many problems before it went to PC? Not not just not, um, no, try, not talking bad about PC. No, it's, because I think so PC it, is a whole new like slew of problems. Because right, anyone with a PC, yeah. I mean, they can pretty much customize to run any programs they want, and if you're really good, then they won't find you. Yeah. So I, I think there's, I don't know. My my view as far as everything, the free to play, and the problems that Destiny's coming into, 
I think the main reason why we're seeing Destiny afloat right now is because of the fact that they had such a good foot in the door. Because right now, like we saw, Cyber, we saw what everything happened with Cyberpunk. Um, we've seen Anthem. Everything as far as like games just coming out. Division two. Just not. There we go. <laughs> Where games are just coming out and they're not being properly thought. They're not being properly pushed through the right channels. And Cyberpunk. Correctly. I'm well, sorry, I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. This, the fact that Destiny has such a good foot in the door prior to everything uh, regarding the you know the COVID, regarding you know the, the break from Activision, that is really helping them. And I think that the failures that we're seeing on a lot of different people or a lot of different studios right now that are due to COVID Bungie's kind of in a safety bubble to an extent, but this is how it's affecting them. I don't necessarily think throwing money at them right now would do much to help fix anything as far as, unless it's talking about bringing more people on, but there's still only so many things that you can do with your product outside of the studio without people being there, because there's a lot of communication. There's a lot of things that, we as a society are not being able to communicate with each other that we are not able to do with each other because of the fact that we just can't be around each other right now. Yeah, yeah no, so I think you're I right. Think, I think you're right. Yeah. And I think I that's think why separation is just doing that's partially why the marketing was what it was for beyond light. That's why it was delayed. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's harder for teams to communicate. I mean, you can only do so much with a zoom call and you can only have so many zoom calls Especially if you're a company with 600 employees, that's a big company. Yep. Yeah, that's a great point. This is, yeah. So yeah, was... we have one more thing to talk about in the Bungie Weekly Update, and I know that Y Kid, you're gonna love this part. It's called "Taking a Pass," Revenant's Shatter Drive, and Fisher, aka Crucible Goals. Uh-huh. We're going to dive right into it. Short-term okay. goals. One, address outliner stasis abilities to keep subclass decision-making interesting. Uh, I really like their wording here. Um, to reduce the potency of Shatter Drive plus Whisper of Fissures against Guardians. Going live mm-hmm. with update 3.0.2. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Shatter that's drive. Like, that's next week. Right. Is it? Is yeah. it next week? Okay. Yeah. So shatter drive. Really... Shatter dive. <laughs> shatter Keep saying drive. Dive. <laughs> shatter dive. Shatter yeah. dive. It's all good. <laughs> I'm I'm glad that they and, and kind of pun on words in the wording there because Glad mentioned something about this earlier. I'm I'm very happy that they are dealing with both of them separately or that they are addressing both of them separately. Because, granted, the biggest payoff for using Shatter Dive is with the Ice Crystal's grenade, where you can just just throw throw the grenade down, and you have just an exponential area to be able to take out your your enemies in quite quite defend, or even enemies in supers just cannot defend against this and it's a it's a non-chargeable ability essentially you can spam it as much as you want 
So the fact that they are addressing both the ability for the or for the uh, ice crystals themselves and Shatter Dive itself separately, I think is showing a lot of understanding on Bungie's part about hey look, doing it doing fixing one part of it is not going to fix the whole thing. Um, and I actually think that them doing this is that is their quote unquote we're listening. Uh, everybody <laughs> hates to, hates to see in the twelve from the crucible side of the house, man. But that's that, that's their thing is that that was their weird listening moment of hey, look, we understand that it's two different things that are causing this. Everybody's going to be on hunters this weekend, you know that, right? Every you're going to see shattered dive <laughs> hunters all over in the crucible, like oh, this, bring them this on. weekend. Bring them on. <laughs> that's that's how it's going to be. You know, it's going to mm-hmm. you're going to just let them run, run wild for five more days. You know? yeah. So, bring it yeah i love it so, so. on the topic of shatter dive mm-hmm. it will now have damage fall off versus frozen targets maximum range damage will be reduced unfrozen, unfrozen. did i say frozen yep. yep yeah i meant unfrozen i have trouble with words tonight uh, max range damage is reduced from 50 to 5. From 50 to 5. Yeah. That's a big drop. But wait, there's more. Damage reduction during ability is being reduced from 50 to 25. And mm-hmm. then we can talk about the Whisper of Fishers. A few things there. Reduced max min damage versus non-super players from 42 to 22 to 30 to 4. Or from 42-22 from 42-22 to 30-4. Whatever that means. It's a metric. All right. mm-hmm. um, they also are reducing max min damage versus super players from 42-22 to 16-2. Okay. And lastly, they will be reducing detonation radius versus players from 10 to 9. That seems like a pretty small reduction there. Nothing too major. So what do you all think of that? I don't know. I mean, it it weakens it. I mean, these are all lower numbers. I mean, the max, the range damage, like that, that's the big one. Right there, mm-hmm. the max range damage reduced from fifty to five because that thing had a crazy radius. Like so, from it going down from fifty all the way to five, that's more contained. Yeah, way more contained. Um, and uh, they also reducing the ability that the um from fifty to twenty five percent the damage reduction. So, so I'm actually. I'm looking forward to seeing the uh, the change because everybody that I, everybody that I've played with and I've talked to about it, everybody can agree. Obviously, Shattered Dive was just massively powerful. the The drop off in radi- in the radius of damage definitely was a needed was an absolute necessity. I think the dive itself definitely was nerfed a little a little too heavy. Like the actual dive itself was nerfed just a little bit too much, but um, if if it did if they did nerf it too much, then I think they'll bring it back up. Um, but yeah, 
I'm really I'm really interested to see because I don't want them I did not want them nerfing it to the point where it came became completely useless, if that makes sense. And I'm worried that with them nerfing the damage fall off as much as they did, that it's going to turn from shatter dive to as I told somebody on Twitter today, shatter fall and stumble off the diving board. <laughs> and pretty much is basically what it's going to turn into. So the ice crystals themselves definitely needed to be taken down in damage. The dive, it, the dive itself needed to be controlled, but not neutered. So I'm, I'm looking forward to playing this and seeing exactly what it did uh, as far as how, just how much can it actually be utilized still in the Crucible. And this is all, this is Crucible tuning. This isn't PVE, right? No, well, this is all PVE. Part of it. This is, it, it, yeah. That's right. So okay. So yeah, that's as good. As far as I'm aware of, it was all PV, PVP related because they separated the same. That's good that they're balancing separately then. That's good. And some more interesting notes. If you're a Titan, don't worry. Your behemoth super will be handled in an upcoming update. So <laughs> you're not free. <laughs> if you're a Titan... You're next. You're next. You're <laughs> <laughs> next. But wait, there's more. Bungie also mm-hmm. has some crucible goals. That's good. That's progress, right? Mm-hmm. So goal number one, to improve PvP subclass usage and win rate balance. Addressing mm-hmm. stasis ability outliners will help to lower the ceiling, but will also want to put other underperforming subclasses to light. The light subclasses, yes, that's big for me. I, I want to see them make changes to some of those light subclasses to make them more about, you know, like you want to use them <laughs> over yeah. light stasis. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's coming in a future update sometime, hopefully this year. Uh, there are some other midterm goals, and I think midterm goals would reflect sometime this year, I would imagine, um, mm-hmm. to review the ability to gunplay balance in PvP. This is interesting. Destiny is a game about both explosive space magic moments and instinctively satisfying gunplay. Especially in the 3v3 playlist, the usage of abilities has climbed as Bungie introduced more and more ways to change the items or to cha- to charge them quickly. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Bad with words today. Um, they are in early discussions, but they're looking into restoring a better balance where proper gunplay is rewarding in these playlists. That was interesting. I sure hope so. <laughs> That's- yeah, it's- I really refocus, do refocus. Yeah. I re- refocus, um, on, you know, gun balance, gunplay, you know, like I, yes, I do like, you know, the abilities and things like that, but I, we play destiny for the, the loot, the guns, you know, like mm-hmm. I, that's, that's, that's what I'm going to sign on for. I want, you know, not, not just the world and things like that. Cause I do of course, like the world always mm-hmm. have, but you know, the loot, the guns, the weapons, you know, that's what you see when you play the game. You see your weapon in front of you. Well, and I think it also goes back to the whole idea, like, because, again, it goes back to with the majority of the community, we fell in love with games like Halo, right? Mm-hmm. Halo's PvP 
was very balanced. And very competitive too. It was, and it was very competitive. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that it had that Destiny's PvP does not is that all the characters are the exact same. Mm-hmm. You you are not one Spartan is not any different than the other. They can grab weapons. All the weapons are available to everybody else. You can become the same kind of loadout as any other Spartan there. What if we the could get a game mode like that? In that Destiny? that was something that I had talked about before uh, with somebody it was basically one where all powers and abilities were removed and if you really think about it the only way you can truly have a comp like a truly like yeah. no no imbalance at all whatsoever competitive gameplay is to have one character match every other character that's in that game and the only difference is how you use whatever gun is given to you i 100 percent agree that is a completely balanced competitive pvp environment yep so the, that's the reason why Destiny, why I think we feel like we have such a hard time finding a balance and why we see so many of these sandbox changes is because we have so many weapons. We have so many different capabilities and abilities that can be used and all these different rules and everything that apply. The most competitive scenario is one where it's completely balanced across the board, where all the, all the extra little frills and, and gadgets and everything are taken away and you have nothing more than what this person has is the exact same as the other person. So You're every time you add right. to that, at, every yeah. time you add to that, it kind of it, that's where the balance starts shifting and in, in unbalancing. So the more the more variation you have, the harder it is to balance. Yeah, just give us a game mode like that. You know, yeah, that's the, that's what I would like too. I hundred percent agree with you. I feel like Call of Duty had a esports mode where you couldn't really use certain weapons that were they outliers. did remember we 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 played a couple of them and we yeah, yeah you couldn't and you use, couldn't some use of the your like some of the perks abilities and certain use. perks you couldn't that, that would use be, like there were restrictions yeah. on it i'm sure destiny can do the same thing with certain modes in the game and, and you know what you could even do it i know a perfect way that you could actually do it and make it completely make sense within the story if you put them in a realm of the nine or in the, I guess the uh, the limbo between light and dark, you can have guardians with dark subclasses and light subclasses where their abilities are completely nullified, it, and it would make complete sense that hey, a you are here, <laughs> as, yeah, you are a reason, or you are here to establish who is the dominant one and who who has chosen the right champion, the light or the dark, and we find this out not by giving you our powers, but by making you show us what you can do without them. That's cool. I like that. I like that I like, idea. I like that. That's innovation right there. You know, that's like something we haven't had when it comes to the Crucible. We have not had new game modes and things like that. You Bungie, know, are haven't. you listening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would be, that w- I, I would actually really enjoy that. I know supers and powers and everything like that are, you know, what makes us feel like guardians. But when it comes to actually being competitive with each other, gunplay is where it's at, and strategy. And so Absolutely, and I and I want to and I want to say this: like I've played other games PvP, and I play Call of Duty, and sometimes I play Apex and things like that. But where do I come back to to play my PvP? It's Destiny. It's the gunplay. It's the gunplay, the movement. Like Bungie has nailed that. They have absolutely nailed it. There's not another game that can touch them when it comes to that. There's not. 
there's not one game that can touch them when it comes to the movement, the gunplay, the shooting mechanics. Like, there's no other game that can. So give us the give us the new stuff. Give us some stuff that would we could really sink our teeth to into in the Crucible and things like that. You you already have the the you have the uh, the foundation. Just just mm-hmm. build just build on that. You know, that that's what I'm saying. Yep. Just I can do definitely it. see them doing that at some point. <laughs> Nike <Yeah>. this month. <laughs> <laughs> like so I want to play more. I want to play more Crucible. Like I want to. I want to be in there. I want to do all these things. I want to play Trials. I want to go flawless. But just give us reasons, you know, and just mm-hmm. fix some of the stuff that's out of whack. Sorry. Well, time will tell. My, my last rant. We'll see. Hopefully, this year. The Crucible gets a little bit more love than what it's had in the last, in the last, I would say, couple of years. It's been a while. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's a lot that Bungie can do with the game to improve it. Hopefully, things with COVID improve so that everybody can get back to work and to get back to some normalcy. That would be great so that the developers can do their job and everybody can work efficiently and get back to just living our lives, right? But, living uh, our best lives. We'll tell. Mm-hmm. Living our best lives. I like that. Love that. So we have two more updates from Bungie. We have a new community manager who joined the team for Bungie Russia. So welcome nice. to the team, to the new community manager. I didn't even know that Bungie was that popular in russia did do many russians play destiny i don't know well i mean they have like a friend was a france or a german is a german or french have, yeah i think they have one in germany but i didn't know they, they had one such germany, a large population yeah. in russia oh yeah yeah they got they got every all over the place I know a few russians that play yeah me too <laughs> all, all over the globe they they've uh, got they're, they're everywhere got, yeah people who play destiny and Guardians update 3.0.2 is live? No, it's not live till next week. <laughs> it's not live until next week, but something happened today relating to the they update. Did they did background maintenance. They did background maintenance. They did the background maintenance. Okay. Yeah. So they, yeah. they almost have the update out. Stay tuned. It's coming pretty soon. You can read all about it on Bungie.net, and we're going to talk about it in more depth next week when the update hits. But Guardians, we have a tradition on the show. We had a pretty big update from Bungie. Before we wrap things up, do either of you have any additional comments that you want to share relating to the Bungie Weekly update this week? Um... I just I'm hopeful for the future. <laughs> Hope for the future. I like it. Don't don't break out in song. <laughs> <laughs> well, Guardians, we have a tradition on the show where we rate the Bungie Weekly Update in the form of spicy tuna rolls. And we're going to kick things off this year in traditional form. Why, kid, do you want to kick things off how would you rate this week's Bungie Weekly Update from 1 to 10 
spicy tuna rolls. Ten being the best, one being stay away. Uh, I'd probably, I'd probably give it four spicy tuna rolls. It's it's not not bad, not bad. It's definitely not not the best one that we've gotten, but I'd definitely give it four spicy tuna rolls. Yeah, and are we doing a one out of five? Are we? Oh yeah, we do we one out of five. Those? That's right. It's okay, been one out of five. It's okay, so, like okay, I thought it was, yeah, if it was one out of ten. Okay, yeah, I'd give it a three or eh. yeah, I'd give it, I'd give it a three. Why not? Just because they nerfed Shadow Dive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we I, got I, a I think... three out of five from Y Kid Jester. Yeah, I'm gonna have to say the same. Uh, three out of five. The reissue, like, um, just yeah. I can't even. I, I that reissue word just like it really bothers me. But mm-hmm. that's my own that's my own issues, I guess. Um, and uh, you know, there are some good things in here. The fact that they're making the changes to the the crucible, you know, vendor, how they the ranks are going to be, how it's going to be distributed, you know, how we're going to not have crucible tokens anymore. So they did it doing away with those. Make sure to turn them all in before the end of the season. Um, and, you know, that they're, yeah, they're making some uh, changes to Shatter Dive. And, you know, they they are saying that they're listening and, you know, that they're, you know, hopefully making some changes, you know, to the guns and, you know, how guns are going to matter more in the Crucible, you know, that that they are going to try to refocus. And I I hope they do. That's That's all. But... That's so I'm going to be, uh, yeah, three out of five. Okay, so I'm going to be a little bit more generous this week. I'm going to give them a four out of five spicy tuna rolls. Here's why. I think that a lot of people had too high of an expectation for something that's considered an update during a season. I think there's only so much that they can do. But I think what I really like about this update is that they touched on every major point, or I should say pain point, that players had with the game. Players complained Mm -hmm. about the stasis ability being too powerful. They addressed it. They started to address it for the Hunter, and they even said Titans are next, right? So they are working on that. In terms of the loot and the reward problem in the game, they're starting to address that. And maybe they're not doing it in the same way that you would want them to do it, but realistically, they can only do so much. They are reacting. They're trying to infuse the game with more loot, but it's going to be a matter of them not being able to keep everybody happy. Because yes, you're going to have complaints about the way they're doing it now, because essentially, they're bringing back weapons from past seasons. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, which people want new stuff. We don't want old stuff coming back. But you also have to be understanding that they can only do so much in such a short window of time. And they're already promising here that they're going to add more, two more rewards, two more weapons to every new activity, to every one of the three main activities between Crucible, Gambit, and vanguard you have to give them some props for that right yeah. they're they're making 
an effort. So I'm going to give one them, more than we got from each of the. I'm going to give them a four out of five just for the effort that they're putting in. And I mean, I understand. I want a lot more, but at the same time, you got to remember the article that came out from Joe Blackburn. That was like not even a month ago. And was, yeah. the first update that we get with them returning, they're addressing all of these things. And they're saying in the next season, this is what we're doing to try to fix this. Now, I know yeah. that the Dreaming City part is going to upset some people, but would you prefer nothing? Right? So if it was this versus nothing, it's like, well, they're giving, they're well, trying. Yeah. <laughs> they're giving us things to chase after, and it might not be as exciting, but you got to remember, you can't set expectations too high for a piece of content that's part of a season. Mm-hmm. That's my yeah. rant. Four out of five spicy tuna rolls from Cornholio and Guardians. On that note, it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun tonight. Why, kid? Thank you so much for joining us tonight on the podcast. It was such a pleasure to get to know you, to learn about what you do in the Destiny community, and to get your thoughts and insights into all things Destiny Two. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. It was such a pleasure to have you on. Well, thank you for inviting me. Greatly appreciate it. I had a lot of fun. Of course, of course. Anytime. And before we let you go, where can we learn more about you and what you do? So I am on Twitter and Discord, uh, Wicked Jester, uh, or Wicked, uh, W-Y-K-I-D-J-E-S-T-R. I also have a YouTube channel by the, by the exact same tag and on PlayStation and Xbox by the exact same tag. And then once I get back from this deployment, you know, I'll also be on wickedjester.com. Awesome. Very cool. And Shadow Price, where can we learn more about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ShadowPrice79 and also here on the Destiny Show podcast. Okay. And Guardians, you can find... The Destiny Show podcast on every major podcasting platform. We're on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Play, we're on Amazon Podcasts, and everywhere that you listen to podcasts. We have a website at destinyshow.com, and we have an entire lineup of amazing, amazing guests planned in the year ahead. So thank you so much, Guardians, for joining us. You can find us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash The Destiny Show, right here where you're at. Or you can find us on Twitter at The Destiny Show. And you can also find me personally on my Twitter account at OMG Cornholio. And right here on The Destiny Show podcast. And Guardians, thank you so much for joining us tonight on The Destiny Show. Happy 2021. It's so great to be back. And we hope you have a great time in Destiny. Good luck and go get some awesome loot. Good night, everyone. Bye-bye.